Hello there, welcome to Jubes and Curve, the podcast of my show on GB News. My name's Michelle Jubery, and you can catch me live every weekday evening from 6 till 7pm. But worry not, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Jubes and Curve. Thanks for that, Bethany. Well, keeping me company until seven o'clock tonight, my panel. We've got the leader of the Reclaim Party, Lawrence Fox, and Pamana Hassad, who is a Labour councillor. Uh, you know the drill as well, don't you, on Jubes and Co. It's not just about us three here. It's about you at home as well. Get in touch. What is on your mind tonight? We're going to be talking China and Taiwan. I want to talk to you about whether or not here we're in a nanny state gone mad and also about the whole diversity and inclusion. It's a massive industry now, isn't it, it seems? But should people be essentially forced onto mandatory training in places like their workplace? Yes or no? You tell me. You can get in touch. GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email. Or you can tweet me at GB News or at Michelle Jubes. Uh, we love the conversation here as well. So I want to say thank you uh, to all of you that are supporting us here at GB News. Uh, we had our radio figures out, uh, I think it was yesterday. And GB News has the biggest growth in our category. So thank you if you are someone that listens to us and you might be listening to me right now. Uh, also as well, TV-wise, we're growing and growing. There were many people that said that GB News wouldn't even be a thing after a year. Well, how wrong they are, because this programme, for example, we're regularly beating the same slot on, for example, Sky News. So thank you. If you're watching, listening, uh, getting in conversation with us, we very much appreciate our little GB News family. So we do. And tell all your friends if you haven't already. Right, let's start with China, shall we? Their foreign minister says the US uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan is, I quote, manic, irresponsible and irrational. Uh, one of the foreign ministers said there as well, and I also quote, those who play with fire will not come to a good end, and those who offend China will be punished. Well, now China has held a series of military drills in the seas near Taiwan. President Xi has said that he wants to bring Taiwan under Beijing's control by 2050. Now, let's be honest, uh, China, Taiwan, it all feels very far away, doesn't it? So how worried should us in Britain be about what's going on? What would the impact be on us if it was to escalate? I'm joined now by Scott Lucas, who's an international politics professor at the University of Birmingham. Good evening to you. Uh, let me start by asking you, uh, Scott, do you think this situation has the potential to escalate? Oh, Michelle, of course, whenever you've got military activity in an area, it could escalate, not necessarily because China would intend to overrun Taiwan, but let's say as they conduct these military exercises that one of these missiles went off course and that it hit another military or civilian target, whether it be in Taiwan or whether it be somewhere else in the Pacific. Uh, Japan is also affected by the exercises going on. But that being said, Michelle, I would want to come back a little bit off the headlines that are talking about military confrontation today, because I think if we look at what is happening, we've got a little bit of chest beating by China, which is drawing its lines, which is Taiwan will not be independent. The U.S. has drawn its line with the visit of the congressional delegation, including the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, which is the U.S. will support Taiwan's autonomy. And I think if those lines are understood, 
And I suspect they are, because there was a call between Chinese leader Xi Jinping and President Joe Biden last week. If the lines are understood and not crossed, then we will have this tension for a while, but then we'll go back to what is not exactly business as usual. It's never quite normal, but we'll get back to the economic, political activity that we've had for decades in this region. And do you think the one China policy is still the right one for people to be following? Well, it's, you know, it's not for me to say the right policy because it just simply is the policy that China will be following because the Chinese Communist uh, government has never recognized uh, the nationalist government that fled to Taiwan in 1949. And in effect, uh, diplomatically, almost every country in the world, including the UK, switched from recognizing Taiwan to Beijing in the 1970s. And that's not going to change. Just because of the size of China, just because of the significance of it on the Asian continent, it will still have the seat in the UN, for example. But at the same time, while recognizing China and while not endorsing Taiwan's independence, because that's not going to happen, I think it is important to uphold Taiwan's autonomy, the right to conduct its economic affairs, its political affairs, and to not be threatened with a military invasion. Scott, um, I don't know, say Dave the plumber in Wigan is sat watching this tonight and he might be thinking, why is Michelle talking about China and Taiwan? What's that got to do with us here in the UK? How would uh, escalation conflict there affect us here? Well, of course, first of all, Michelle, just as we've seen with Ukraine, it's the people of the country that are affected first when there's an invasion or if there's any type of action. And I think even though we're very distant from a Ukraine or from a Taiwan, you know, I. I'm affected when I see people whose lives are taken over or disrupted uh, because they're invaded. Now, how does it affect us more directly? Well, I got to be honest with you here. We will feel it because with Ukraine, for example, we've already had the disruption to global food markets, global energy markets, global supply markets in general, and we will see the effects in our bills, for example. Well, this will happen with Taiwan as well. It's a very small country, but it's a very important economy. The Asian regional economy, which includes Japan and South Korea, is very, very important. Only a few months ago, this government talked about how important Asia is as part of global Britain. So I think the biggest effect we've had is, is that for more than 70 years, we've had an international rule of law, international order, if you will. It's being challenged now by Vladimir Putin in Ukraine, and it could be challenged by China. And it's that disruption of the rule of law that might seem a bit abstract to us, but it affects us in the day-to-day -day way that we can go out and conduct our jobs, that we can go get an education, or even in the prices that we pay in our household bills. Yeah, indeed, fascinating stuff. Uh, Scott Lucas, thank you very much for your insight there. That's Scott Lu Lucas, the International Politics Professor at the University of Birmingham. Uh, Lawrence Fox, what do you make of it all? Um, it's, it's not often that I like Speaker Pelosi. But, oh. um, uh, because she's a bit uh, insane uh, in lots of ways. But I really like the way that she's um, said, it's not up to China where I travel. So uh, she's almost sort of forced to go there now that China have said not to. And uh, the Biden administration has messed up because they didn't want her to go. But I was reading about her today and she also went to Tiananmen Square after the massacre there. So she's actually gone up in my estimations, which is quite weird for me because usually I find her a bit... So you you actually think it was um, the right move for her to be there? 
Yeah, I mean, America, what does America have to offer the world? Deterrence. That's, that's what America has to offer the world. And if China is going to start um, swinging its fists around, then America has the responsibility. It said it will defend Taiwan, and it should. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I want to say something bad about Nancy Pelosi, but I can't. Yeah, see, uh, Pamana, I mean, yes, the US, essentially, they have to uh, provide Taiwan with the means to um, defend itself. But ultimately, uh, we, the UK, they, the US, we don't recognise uh, Beijing, uh, sorry, not Beijing, Taiwan, as a, a sovereign nation, essentially. Um, and there is a big school of thought, which is actually... It's all well and good, Nancy Pelosi, getting on a, a plane, heading off to Taiwan. She's not essentially going to be affected by many of the consequences that could potentially come off this visit. Uh, where do you stand on it? <clears throat> so I think it was the wrong time for Nancy Pelosi to do this. Um, and I think the reason for that is because we have a war in Europe currently with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi was told by the Biden administration, specifically his defence advisers, not to do this. This is not the right time to agitate China. And I think that whilst, you know, Nancy Pelosi is completely right in saying that China shouldn't dictate where she should travel or where she should not, and she's a very fearless fierce woman, um, and I think that it's right that she, she went, but I think that this time in moment is the wrong time, and, and I think the reason for that is because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and this, you know, allows China to think, well, actually, if Russia can do it to Ukraine, maybe we can do it to Taiwan, and it seems like what Nancy Pelosi has done is agitated the situation and made China feel like we've got to go and do those military drills, we've got to actually do our, you know, line, line a mark in the sand. Yeah, and uh, the, the um, political strategist there sh was just talking about uh, missiles potentially going off course. We've already seen these missiles in this instance now land in Japanese water. Uh, so aren't you a little bit worried, Lawrence, that this all has the potential to escalate and cause goodness only knows what? Well, my fellow guest was talking about... Um... Uh, missiles going, of course, in various things, and the uh, leadership of the American army telling uh, Nancy Pelosi it was the wrong thing to do, but uh, they've already created... Leadership of the American army have already created possibly the biggest catastrophe that has ever taken place in American military history, which is the, the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan mm -hmm. and then the murder of uh, an entire family while claiming it was a legitimate target. So, and whilst also going on about white rage and all, all of this stuff from General Milley. So I wouldn't actually... I don't really trust the head of the uh, American army about anything. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I actually agree with you. I think America's Yay. withdrawal. But I think the American withdrawal from Afghanistan actually allowed Russia to invade Ukraine yeah. and made Russia think, well, actually, the Americans got defeated in Afghanistan. They surrendered, walked away. This is our moment to show our strength, and they're not going to do anything about it. And I think that's why. But this is what I fear in with China and Taiwan. If you know, America's done this. If they really wanted to support democracy, they would have supported it in Afghanistan and actually helped the Afghan army fight against the Taliban and not withdrawn the way that they did. But they haven't done that. So this talk of we're promoting democracy, we're supporting democracy, I think it falls on deaf ears for a lot of people. And even, you know, President Zelensky, right at the start, wasn't sure if America was going to come through for them um, and open diplomatic conversations with, with the Russians um, they in have, that conflict. They, they, they did try and uh, install a democratic uh, 
government in Afghanistan over a period of you know decades and it didn't work because that was not how the way Afghan culture worked or the geography worked. I disagree uh, I'm Afghan and no, but, I mean, <laughs> that's what they tried to do and no, I, all I'm talking think, about is what's happened. But I disagree this idea that Afghans don't want democracy or this you know people lost their fingers voting over the last I'm 20 sure. years you know people lost their lives defending democracy in Afghanistan these ideals were there from before the 1960s so are you in condemning America then? No what I'm saying is that the withdrawal, you know, if people were for withdrawal, fine. You know, America couldn't stay there forever, but it didn't have to do it the way that it did. It was a publicity stunt. They wanted well, to get out within they the wanted, 20 year And they said, they actually made a statement and said, we want to focus on other areas. We want to focus on our competition with China. And now what we see is Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan. Um, Elise, I think that's how you say your name. Uh, Elise says, normally I am fully aligned with Lawrence Fox, but... <laughs> On this occasion, I totally disagree with him. Um, she's saying that uh, Nancy Pelosi should not have visited um, Taiwan and that it's putting oil on the fire. Tom is another person that has that view as well, saying that ultimately uh, it's wrong. Uh, you're provoking, uh, she's provoking uh, China for no good reason. Um, and I have to say, I agree with Tom. Uh, and at least I do, I disagree with you. That's fine, um, I like because, that. And, and one of the reasons, because when I was contemplating talking about this today and I was thinking, well, look, we've got a lot of problems going on in this country, let's face it. Of course, we've just seen interest rates go up mm -hmm. again today. Uh, we knew that was going to happen, didn't we? We're seeing talk here of a recession today. Again, uh, not great, but we knew that that was something that's going to happen. So the reason that I chose uh, to talk about this, instead of going around the same circles uh, when it comes to interest interest rates and uh, recession projections, etc., is because the impact, if this is to escalate, so say, for example, if China do decide to uh, exert force or whatever on Taiwan... When they decide... Yeah, we, if. well, they say by 2050 <laughs> they're going to basically reunify it all. Uh, we will be in a situation, when I say we, I mean the West, mm -hmm. because we've sanctioned Putin for his actions in Ukraine, we will be in a similar situation where we'll be pressured to act against China. Now, the reason this affects your average Joe on the street here is because if we start sanctioning China, etc., we will see huge economic ramifications because if you think about us here, I mean, I don't know what you're all wearing, but if I was to look at the labels on some of my stuff, guarantee whether it's the devices or whatever made in China will feature there. Some of these electronics, if not all of these electronics, will have semiconductors in, the, in them that have come from Taiwan. So the impact, the, the, the kind of influence and the, the spread, if you like, of Chinese products, uh, Taiwan products here is absolutely immense. So the sanctions, the disruption, etc., would really hit us all. You're shaking your head. Why, Lawrence? Well, because the sanctions with Russia didn't work because they didn't include fuel, did they? So in, it's the same with China. When we impose sanction on, on China, it'll be like... You're going to have really bad sanctions except for iPhones and TVs and all the stuff that we want for free in the West. It, well, none of the sanctions on Russia works. They won't work with China. China is going to invade Taiwan. It will take it back. There's nothing we can do about it. The best thing the West can do is stand up and go, we are a deterrent force for liberty, freedom of speech, all of the things that America stands behind. China is uh, couldn't have done more damage to the world than it has done in the last two years with its leaked um, bioweapon. So, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you say that it didn't, uh, the sanctions, etc., hasn't murdered been 100 hit. million Americans. Like yeah, 10 million Americans. But look at, I mean, all, everyone, all of us now, our energy bills uh, are going up. 
And actually, this situation is going to get a lot, lot, lot worse because whilst we're not dependent on Russian energy, lots of our European uh, cousins, I was going to call them cousins, but you know what I mean, lots of <laughs> our European counterparts, uh, they are. So what will happen is actually any squeezes that get put onto their side of things will absolutely hit ours because it's basic supply and demand economics. So get out a shovel, dig down into the ground, frack the hell out of the ground until we've got our but, own but that's not, self sufficient food. Yeah, but you see, people keep saying about fracking as being the answer to uh, our energy situation and yes in the mid uh, medium term fracking might be an answer but you can get your shovel all you like you can get a whole you know B&Q's worth of shovels you're still not that's not going to give you uh, gas for this winter it's a long way off it's going to take years even if I give you a shovel right now and bust you over to a fracking site you're not going to give me any gas for quite a period of time well, I know that's I 10 years of conservative government for you I, I think you're right, very, very right, Michelle, in terms of the power that China has on trade, um, especially with places like the UK and Europe, especially when it comes to gas and oil. Um, sorry, with Russia's gas and oil issue, with, with China's trade issue. I think what we need to realise is global issues do have local impacts in the UK, and that's why these issues are really important. I don't think this was the right time for Nancy Pelosi to visit Taiwan, but I also don't think that China can dictate to the West where they should and shouldn't go. Yeah, and, and by the way, you will find yourself not in not just in agreement with Lawrence Fox, Pimana, but you'll probably be disturbed to know that you found yourself in agreement with Donald Trump. Oh, because God. Because he shared that <laughs> attitude because uh, I remember him having a call uh, with one of the Taiwan leaders and uh, Taiwan was making threats to him and he was saying, I will not be dictated to by China as to who I do and don't speak to. So, Pimana, you never thought you would uh, have heard me say this, but tonight you are... On a power oh, interesting. and that's not going to help my Trump. reputation on the streets, is it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, your credibility, your credibility uh, among your peers is going to be shot. What can I say? Um, Amber has just emailed in saying we absolutely must stand up to China. The best way to do that is to recognise Taiwan as a sovereign country. Um, by the way, when it comes to that, there's only about I think it's 13 or 15 uh, places that do recognise Taiwan as a sovereign country. It's not many countries of note that you will have heard of. It's certainly not the UK and it's certainly not the US. Uh, do you agree with Amber, though? Is that the solution? And how bothered about this story are you in the UK? Do you sit there and think it has a potential to impact you? Or do you not care? You tell me, gbviews at gbnews.uk is the email address you can reach me on. As the race for number 10 intensifies, we are giving you the chance to get to know our next Prime Minister. We've invited the two candidates to meet you, the GB News viewers, and let you put your questions to them. Head directly to gbnews.uk or send me your questions to questions at gbnews.uk. Join Alistair Stewart for the People's Forum with Liz Truss. Wednesday at 5, only on GB News, the People's Channel. Hello there, welcome back to Jubes & Co with me, Michelle Jubery, keeping me company until 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, my panel, Lawrence Fox, who's the leader of the Reclaim Party and the co-founder of the Bad Law Project and the Labour Party, Councillor Pamana Asad. What's the Bad Law Project? Bad Law Project is uh, to find where good law has gone bad, as we saw in our massively viral clip of the police intimidating, bullying a perfectly innocent man on the weekend. So, yeah, we're, we're after the foundational institutions and to uh, get the nasty little woke diverse equity and inclusion officers out of them. 
Mm, we'll be coming on to that uh, conversation as well about diversity and inclusion. Uh, where do you stand on the whole situation about if you go to work uh, as an employee, your employer could insist that you have to go on diversity and inclusion courses, many of which, by the way, will tell you if you're white, that you're, just, you're basically an awful person uh, who needs to get on your knees and apologise for pretty much everything. Pamana's saying it's not true, but hold on, hold on, because we're not doing this topic yet, young lady. We're coming to that after the next break, because now I want to talk to you. Uh, Pamana's not having any of me, and I don't think she'll be having any of you, Lawrence, when it comes to their, our views on this training, so I look forward to that one. Uh, but for now, let me ask you this. Would you grass on your neighbours? Uh, if not, or if so, are there any limits? So would you sit there and say, well, I'll grass on them if they do this, but not if they do that? Or are you someone that's right up there twitching your curtains, uh, you've got your clipboard out, you're monitoring all the goings-on in your close, and you'd be straight on uh, to the phone, to the police or whoever, if they were doing anything wrong? Um, because I've got to be honest, remember back in the pandemic, we were all encouraged, wasn't we, to basically grass on our neighbours for doing... I was just about to say doing things wrong, but quite frankly, it was doing things that were not wrong in my mind at all. But uh, I digress. That's me going into my little uh, mini rant about lockdowns. Let's pack that for a second, though, because now uh, we've got to talk about more hose pipe bans. We've got some, potentially even going to have some more. Uh, it's been suggested now that you're going to grass on your neighbours if they're out there uh, <laughs> using the hose pipe. It makes me laugh just because I do think it's a bit ludicrous. Uh, over in Barnsley, for example, uh, we've got a situation where disposable barbecues could be banned. Um, because they were the cause of a few of the fires that we've seen. Where do you stand on this? Do you think um, governments, councillors, councils, I'm looking at Pemana, <laughs> should just back off and leave us to get on with our own lives? Are we in a nanny state, Pemana Assad? No, because I think the job of government is to try and help fix problems that are huge and are impacting people's lives. And through this drought that we're seeing across the UK, extreme levels of heat, um, you know, climate change is real as much as people might like to deny it. It's a scientific fact. Um, and it is impacting us here in the UK. And so this hosepipe ban is because it's impacting farming, it's impacting water levels, and we need to be able to help the environment. Um, but this whole snitching on your neighbour if they use the hosepipe, I think that is a bit extreme um, because, you know, this sounds like very much Pretty Patel. I mean, Pretty Patel was the one who was saying, snitch on your neighbours if they're breaking COVID rules. And we did. We, we, were, we were one of the most the nation with the most snitches, I believe, people calling up the police and saying my neighbour's breaking the rules and people were getting fines left, right and centre. I don't think that that is right and that is correct, but I think that people should be educated on why there is a need to have a host pipe ban so that we can help. Well, I would say that one of the reasons there's um, a need to have a hosepipe ban, for example, is that every single day, 2.4 billion litres of water uh, are lost in leaks just in England alone. So, actually, before you start going uh, round to Bob at number four, because he's watering his daffodils, mm. I'd be having a look at your, your own house inward yeah. uh, and looking at why you're wasting billions and billions of um, litres of water a day in leaks. That's where I'd be focusing my attention. But where do you stand on it all, Lawrence? Um, I think it's sort of quite odd that in a country that rains solidly for most of the year that we run out of water and, as you say, two point however many billion litres of water... 2.4. ..are getting leaked. And this whole sort of describing everything's like record heat wave, it should be described scientifically correctly as summer, as weather... So you uh, don't believe in climate change? Uh, no, no, I do believe in climate change, but I don't think we're all going to roast in hell in the next nine years like Alessandro Ocasio... 
Ocasio-Cortez does. Um, I think that uh, we need to stop the snitch culture. You know, uh, you did a little segue into lockdown. Um, I was very honest and open about ignoring completely the science over lockdown and had loads and loads of parties and enjoyed it and uh, the person who reported and snitched on me would have been better off and probably made a few more quid if they'd just been leaning over Downing Street. Did you get um, uh, fixed penalty notices or anything like that? No, I told them where to go when the police came round. I said, shove off, You're not, it's not your job, get out of my house. So they did come to you? Relentlessly. Um, did they? But so you didn't get fined? No, and I wouldn't have paid the fine if I did, and anyone who has been fined shouldn't pay it either. What, at what stage of lockdown was this, though? I, I, had, I made a, an absolute mission to make sure that every single weekend during the lockdown I had as many people around my house See, as I possible. think that's irresponsible because... You were allowed to. Yeah, I think that's irresponsible because there was a, a rule set and people were told not to have parties, people were told not to mingle like that because of spreading of the virus, and people did die didn't from work, having... Didn't work, though, did but, it? But people did die from having it and people wanted to protect Lockdown their loved ones. It works, proven. But, but here's the thing though, we, it gave us time to be able to get the vaccine and to protect Which people. also doesn't work. But, but Did your mum ever tell you, if he told you to jump off the cliff, would you? You know, that's what, that's what my, I was raised on, that philosophy. And yes, it was like, but we follow the science here. But, and, yeah, but the, the science was wrong. Point, vaccine doesn't work. No, but and lockdowns didn't vaccine, work either. It wasn't supposed to fully protect you from not never catching COVID. That's it's what a vaccine is from called, dying. a sterilising vaccine. It was to stop you from dying, though. That's not how it I think that's irresponsible. I think that you don't understand, clearly, collective responsibility. We live in a society. We're supposed to play our role in it and to protect each other. And you didn't do that then. Would you no, lock I down didn't. again now? So no, I wouldn't lock down right now. No. no. Would you have locked down before with the cases on the down now? With no, no, I think right at the start it was the right thing to do, right at the start. Would you lock down didn't in know winter what was going on. if there was a spike? What would I lock down in winter? Well, I'd have to look at what was going on. If you were told I think most to people have had COVID, though. Here's the thing, if you Michelle. Were told to most lock people down. have had COVID have by this point. And, most, it's more and fun. most people have had the vaccine. I don't wear a mask anymore. Oh, you, know? you risk-taker, you. <laughs> I know. This is good. I don't wear a mask anymore because... When did you stop wearing a mask? I don't know. It was just, it was this moment on the train where I was the only one wearing it and nobody else was wearing it. And I was thinking, I'm feeling suffocated. It's been three years now. I've had, I've had the booster as well because I'm asthmatic. And, you know, I just, I just couldn't. I've had none that. of that stuff. And, I'm and I know that sometimes I feel guilty for not wearing it, but. You feel guilty? Killed. Yeah, I do. Mask. Yeah, Why? sometimes. Because I feel like if I was to bring COVID home and to infect one of my vulnerable, you know, family members, then. That would be my fault. Mm. Well, you've always got monkeypox to look forward to, you know. Well, apparently but, uh, that is also long COVID. And I don't know how you. <laughs> what, what are you saying about monkeypox, Mana? <laughs> I'm just saying apparently it is also contagious um, in, in that way. Like it's COVID. not in that way, it isn't. No, no, no it's That's the other way. That's why they call it long COVID. <laughs> Goodness gracious me! Uh, the po the monkey. We oh, segued from. Yeah, this. we have we have segued, uh, and I'm gonna sh I'll spare you all my thoughts on uh, the whole monkeypox thing. But um, let me ask you about Pamana. The, the conversations around mm. banning, for example, disposable barbecues. I think it's mm. in Barnsley. Uh, Barnsley Council are, are touting that idea. Do you think that's really the level that we need to be at? I think it's really annoying when you go to a park and you want to have a barbecue with your family and you don't have a garden or something and you're not allowed to have a barbecue in a park. I think that's really annoying for a lot of people. There are places across London, specifically, and maybe across the country, where there are parks you can have and safely have disposable barbecues. But it's right that they're 
a ban in certain areas because of the risk to setting alight, um, you know, trees and wildlife, uh, sorry, uh, you know, trees and nature reserves and actually causing damage to, to wildlife. Um, there's a nature reserve behind my house and there aren't barbecues allowed there and I think that that's right um, because of the, the danger to the environment. Yeah. And the drought that we're in is really, really, you know, dry. We haven't had rain. You, you were saying, you were saying, no, but Lawrence, you were saying that we, we, you know, it rains all the time, but it hasn't rained in quite a while, has it? No, because it's called summer. No, but it's not called summer. It's called climate change. Well, or I happen summer. to have in my hand, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, some rain statistics, rainfall statistics. So I can tell you if you want. Uh, in July, England had 35% uh, of what would have been expected of its rainfall at 23 millimetres, if you're interested in this kind of thing. Wales had 53% of what was expected. Scotland had 81% uh, of what was expected. And Northern Ireland, had 51% uh, of what was expected. So there you go. Uh, so in terms of expected rainfall, we didn't really have uh, what we would have imagined that we would have. In terms of the hose pipe ban, mm. am I right in thinking that Labour, as a, as a party generally, you're backing the whole hose pipe ban thing? I haven't seen any official lines on it yet, so I don't want to say something that's against party policy. Um, but oh, I think that... just go with it. Just um, <laughs> do um, Sam. Was it Sam Tarry? Is that it? Just do your own. No, because I don't want to get fired. You don't want to. <laughs> Joe, I'm joking. I, I wouldn't get fired. But um, I think that it's sensible where there is a hosepipe ban because of the drought and, and the difficulties with water. But I think you're also right that people should look internally within their homes if they're leaking pipes. They should get those fixed. It's um, not internally. I'm on about the water companies. I'm on about, about the water. Yeah, I've got a plan. What is it? Why don't we retrain all of the diversity, equity and inclusion officers oh my God. into being plumbers? Yeah, leak checkers. And then leak checkers. Yes. And the 70, that, that's not 75 grand a year will get all of those out the institutions and they can How do about digging up water and companies actually put the profits that they get back into the industry and fix the leaks? Do you support nationalisation of water companies? Do I support nationalisation of water companies? Um, I don't know. Because a lot of people, a lot do you support nationalisation of anything. Uh, the railways, yeah. Yeah. Why the railways? Because I think that it needs investment and. We just need to better the infrastructure. But I thought, Pamana Assad, that mm. the Labour policy was no longer nationalisation. I thought that very. It recently... isn't. It's true. It, we. We've are you back. Are you going off policy? No, I'm She's not. I'm Kate Starmer. Are you listening, Kate Starmer? No, but Sarah. here's the thing. I think that we should look at these cases individually. We can't just say, oh, we should nationalise everything. We should actually look at the industry, see see whether that is the right decision for that industry. And you are a sensible Labour person. Yes, I am. This is amazing. Person. Are you shocked that such a thing exists? I know. Well, it's often, you know, you, you only sort of see Labour people on TV and they talk utter rubbish. But wow, well, really... you should see my Twitter DMs and mentions. But you're, <laughs> after you're I actually talking, but you're talking some common sense. I like it. Well, there you go. Uh, Nationalisation, by the way, a lot of people uh, I do know are in favour of nationalising things like water companies. Um, and if you are one of them, let me ask you this. Do you have a pension 
Um, and if you do, uh, there was a study done in 2019, I think it was, 67 UK pension funds uh, are invested in the English uh, water industry. That is six million of you have your pensions tied up in the English water industry. And it was acknowledged that if indeed uh, the 2019 plans of nationalisation of the water uh, industries had occurred, those pension funds would have been hit. So it's all well and good saying that we uh, support the policy of nationalisation, but when you realise it might hit you in your own back pocket, do you still support policies such as that? That's why I think it's important to look at individual cases. Well done, there you go. You were talking about the collective earlier. <laughs> yes, you You've yes. got to decide. No. This is the problem with you, lefties. What, what do it's you like, mean? What is it? Is it, is it the sovereignty of the individual or is it the collective? I think that's completely different. Come on. Nationalising no. an entire industry versus not holding a house party during a national pandemic. Mm. They're not the same thing. Jim, Jim's been in touch saying disposable barbecues are just stupid. Um, they cause destruction of wildlife habitats through idiots not caring how they use them. Um, yes, and you also go on, though, Jim, and say that you think fireworks, for example, outside of November the 5th should be banned as well. But then you're banning the actual tool and not the idiot, to quote your term. Why should things like uh, disposable barbecues be banned just because some people use them irresponsibly? Um, Diane says, hose pipe bands were a feature of my youth. I'm in my 50s now and there's nothing new in them. Did you follow them, Diane? Did you religiously follow the um, hose pipe ban? Or were you out there in the dead of night, in the darkness, just cheekily watering away? Let me know. Uh, Jim says, I absolutely would report my neighbours uh, for using a hose pipe. And Stu said, of course I would. Uh, I'd snitch on them without a second's thought. Do I take it, Lester, you don't like your neighbours very much? Because if, if that's the case and that changes the game, I will admit, if you've got neighbours that you don't get on with, that does change things, doesn't it? Tomorrow on Jubes and Co, are you somebody that's frustrated with the state of the housing situation in this country? Are you desperate to get onto the housing ladder and struggling? If so, uh, tomorrow's show, Fixing the Nation, is for you. No, I'm not giving away a free house or anything like that, but we will be having an in-depth look and debate at what is going on in the UK when it comes to the housing crisis. Uh, how can you get your foot on the ladder? Is it a pipe dream for many? What are the answers to all of it? Join me and my panel of experts from 6 o'clock tomorrow night right here on GB News. Well, uh, we'll be here until 7 o'clock. We're not fixing housing. We're about to get stuck into an argument, uh, I think, anyway, about diversity and wokeness training. Uh, Geordie on the Twitter says, I, I am loving the loving between Lawrence Fox and Pamela Assad on Michelle Jubes. Michelle is basically going to be the gooseberry or the chaperone between these two. Uh, I've got to say, something tells me they might have a disagreement on the next topic. <laughs> uh, but coming up at 7 o'clock, we've got Nigel Farage. Uh, Nigel, good evening. What have you got for us? Oh, we're not? OK, cracking my key. I got shouted out very loudly in my ear then. You've, it was so loud, you probably all heard it at home. It made me jump out my skin. Uh, the essence of the yelling was that I'm not teasing uh, to Nigel. I do apologise. I didn't read my instructions properly. Let's get straight into it, shall we? Diversity training. Uh, where do you stand on it? It's a thing now, isn't it? It's more than a thing. Uh, I would say it's a multi-million pound industry, probably. Um, there's always someone, isn't there, wanting to divide us, tell us a problem here and a problem there, and guess what? They have a course 
us to fix it. Of course they do. <coughs> uh, the Attorney General, Suella Braverman, says these kind of courses, though, can be divisive rather than inclusive. And she claims the training in government departments is riddled with left-wing views. Liz Truss says if she becomes Prime Minister, she'll scrap around 350 diversity and inclusion jobs. If yours is one of them, though, do not worry, because uh, Lawrence has got a plan. You can retrain as a leak checker. There you go. Leisha will have a job. Pamana, diversity training, where are you on it? So, I think Suela Braverman doesn't understand the role of Attorney General. I don't think she should be involving herself in cases like this about diversity and inclusion. I think she should be focusing on the law, um, which clearly she's not. She wants to get involved in these culture wars and consider everything and anything in, in government or anybody working in government as a civil service left wing. And I think that diversity and inclusion training is really important because it helps people understand each other better. It helps people understand issues that they might not have come across previously. You might come from a household where you don't accept LGBTQI plus people and you get some training and you learn that that is an OK thing to have in society, you know, or you might accept, you might think that it's wrong that a black person is in a certain job and you get that training and, you, and it tells you actually everyone's equal and, and it's OK. Do you so think that the training courses stand. should be mandatory? Do you think that if you... But they're not, got... though. I've, I've never had a job where I've been they forced are. to leave. We've got... We've, well, we're bad law projects running a case at the moment where it's mandatory. You, the, the person that we're representing doesn't get to qualify unless she admits that she's got a white... What kind of job is it, though? Uh, well, I can't get into it because it's a very private thing at the moment, but don't worry, it'll be announced soon. <laughs> OK. That, well, sounds, I think that, that sounds a secret. We're <laughs> yeah. looking forward to that. Well, I think that there's certain jobs where you need to be aware of all the biases that are what there in society. We, you well, unconscious bias. I don't care what unconscious bias. you are. But here's the thing, though. It's not like just that. about race, though. It's about accent. It's about education. There are white working-class people who are discriminated against in jobs, for example. M mainly. I mean, well, look, I mean, you know, you because of their accent, because of their background, so because dreadful. of their class. Because it's like, I'm, I'm not coming on here banging the drum for white people. I don't care. It's like we're all made equal before, under the, before the eyes of God. We're all the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't get uh, equality of result, of outcome. You cannot do it. It's that's what communism is. It is completely impossible, the level of bureaucracy you've got to do. You've got to live in a meritocratic world. You are better at something than I am. I am better at something than you are. That's just the way it is. And these diversity, equity and inclusion officers are pointless wastes of time because actually in an economy which it needs to recover, you want productive people hmm. that are productive. So best case scenario, these people are just impairing productivity by walking around going, how do we divide people? Worst case, scenario, they're, they're instilling woke, left, really what? hard leftist, anti-British values in. Anti-British values. I mean, come I judge on. Judge someone on the colour of their skin. Are you, you know, really? But so what, what is British values? Can you outline what British values are? Uh, fairness, and also, can you define what woke under is? The law. Okay. Yeah, free speech. Yeah. I'd say that. And why that, would they be teaching demon. against that in diversity and inclusion? Training. Because it's, it's not teaching, it's, in, it's indoctrination. It's you're, not you're indoctrination. Saying, I don't look at you, you could go to a diversity I, and inclusion you, you training. You're from Afghanistan originally, yeah. right? I didn't even cross my mind. What I was thinking of... But if, you probably want, did look online. If we want a diversity officer yeah. of any kind at all, you want someone who sits there and goes, we want diversity of opinions. Mm. We will impose, we will go, there is a safe space for everyone to have an opinion. That's but, what I would like to say. But they do. The diversity people do make me laugh, Pimana, because mm. when they say, let's do all this diversity and inclusion training, what they really mean is, sit in this classroom and be told to think like me. 
And what they don't want, <laughs> yes, they do, Pamana, what no, they don't want is diversity of thought. So when all these people say we want diversity and inclusion, I always think to myself, but you don't really, because you don't want diversity of thought, which is, to me, one of the most key aspects of diversity that there is. So I'm against cancel culture, and I think that people shouldn't be cancelled just because they hold an opinion. Where I think that this becomes really dangerous is where you have people in positions of power in big, in just powerful industries where they enact on their bias and they harm people's livelihoods. Like Priti right? Patel and well, well, certain and people, certain people. No, that you know, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is in the workplace where people feel they they're discriminated against because of their background, because of their class, because of their though. race. So, but feelings, but no, feelings but don't take into account. Feelings. No, but it is about fe everything's about feelings and emotions. So yes. you feel like you're discriminated against, I or that you're being an, attacked against. because you. I don't. Some people do because they feel like oh, white people are under attack. They're not. That's not the case. Diversity and inclusion training is there to help us understand each other's issues. And I have never come across... Have a work... chat. But here's the thing, I've never Go come across... Some people can't do it like that, though, Lawrence. It can't, it well, can't just be me and you sitting to, in the pub and having a conversation about, about certain issues. People don't feel comfortable. And they need to be able to have that discussion in a more, you know, with professionals so who understand and have, have literally researched, understood these issues way researched more than... Researched by who? Academics. Academics. They've gone through loads of training, qualifications it's to actually division. do some of this it's stuff. It's division, no, it's inequity not. It's not. and exclusion. I've never been in That's a workplace it where it's been mandatory. And if there is mandatory, it's interesting because I would want to I understand what exactly is mandatory. Oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll be finding out. Here we go. Uh, Maurice says, working in the NHS, uh, diversity training is mandatory. Yeah. If you are not up to date with those modules, they could stop you working. Tommy, says, I've just been directed uh, to attend trans awareness at my workplace. Uh, it's not an optional thing, it's a mandatory thing. But what's wrong with going and understanding an issue? That's what, my question. What, what's wrong with going to... I don't want to be educated to... by somebody else. I want to have a conversation with somebody else. I don't want someone to sit there but and don't tell you me think that... what I do or don't understand or I don't feel confident or safe enough to tell you. But... If you don't have the moral fortitude to have a conversation with someone, then you're not how are you going to be part stop... of the conversation. My question is, how are you going to stop someone from enacting on bias... What bias? Bias that might bias be there. Is you know, no, but what it, does that mean? But you don't agree there is bias. I think there is bias. Everyone's got bias. But We're all biased. Especially bias. for something like the NHS, for example. If you have someone who's discriminating against one one patient versus another patient based on just how they look, for example, or based on what clothes they're wearing or what kind of accent they have, do you think that's right or wrong? This ghost hunting. You're ghost no, hunting. that's how you can't know the inside of someone else's mind. No, it's that's true. We don't, insanity. but that's why the training is important. Retrain these people but that's as why... plumbers. All oh, right, give okay. them a spanner. As if that's get them happen. to mend the leaky pipes, and Britain no. will be a better country. Diversity and inclusion training is really important, but I actually Diversity, don't think I actually don't think it's working, it. though. I don't actually think it's working. Yeah, it's divided the, the country. country. No, it's not about division. I just don't think it's working because I think no matter how much training you put people in, um, some people will walk out that and think that was. BS and, and walk away and not listen to any of it. What I do think we need to have is more inclusive workplaces where people are able, um, you know, not hierarchy and, and pitting people against one another and actually allowing people to be creative in whatever profession but that Pimana, they work in. You. you don't need a diversity and inclusion officer for that. But, I do, but I do think it's important to have it. But there's not those inclusive work environments. That's why there is but diversity. When you, say where I work. when you say inclusive work environments, yeah. see, this is one of the problems that I've got because they're not inclusive. What they mean mm. is uh, I'm going to 
train you to all think the way that I'm going to tell you to think. So, but, for example, that's called indoctrination. Okay. That's called like a concentration camp. Do you think that is like that? Yes, I. Oh, th yes, oh, I think that. Some of these how do the Uyghurs feel in China then? They're actually they're, they're in actual concentration camps, being indoctrinated with actual propaganda. This is not propaganda. Tommy, Tommy, who has just messaged me and told me that he's been directed to attend a trans awareness course at the workplace. Now, I don't know your views, Tommy, and I'm not here to judge your views either. But let's just assume, in my hypothetical example, Tommy goes to this course uh, and decides he doesn't agree uh, that someone can change biological sex. Do you think that he'd be included in his workplace? He should be included in Do his workplace. Do you think he would be? But, but how would anybody know that unless he openly makes it an issue? So if he went to the training and Tommy said, the, the teacher's sitting there and the teacher's going, right, uh, Tommy, you can uh, decide today that you are Tommy. Tomorrow, Tommy, you can decide that you're Tom Wetter and you can be a girl. And if Tommy says to the teacher, I don't believe that actually you can change your biological sex, I believe that he would be... Uh, Discriminating. Yeah, discriminating. But he shouldn't, it's but that is wrong. But that, that, that is wrong, though. Can I just say one thing? But to be okay, discriminated it's, against it's, like that. It's much more sinister than that, because diversity, equity and inclusion is taking place in the form of PSHE in schools where they're teaching yes. gender ideology. So it's all very well for an adult, and, and I think you'd find that most moderate adults would go, uh, uh, would fully support trans people, gay people, lesbian, bisexual, mm -hmm. all of the alphabets people. They'd fully support it as adults. But when you're getting this stuff in schools and you've got little 10 year old boys wearing dresses who've got no option but to carry on down the path to transition, then your average Joe is going to find a problem with that. But who said that they're being so. forced to? I've given so. you an example. It's I've told there. That, that is in the workplace, but no, but that's... Right, guys, I've just realised it's the time. I've done all that debate, and the end of it is Permanus doesn't even still believe that people are being told to go on these courses. Ladies and gentlemen, I give up. Uh, Margaret says these courses should all be scrapped. In her view, they should never have even started. She says they're useless, because if you're a racist, I doubt a course would change you. In fact, it would be quite the opposite. Anyway, you tell me, where do you stand on it all? Get in touch, gbviews at gbnews.uk is the email address. But for now, that's all I've got time for. Pimana, Lawrence, you going for a drink now together? I'm up for a pint. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm going as well, right? I'll see you all. Have a nice night. We're off to the pub. Thanks for listening to Jubes and Cur, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you will never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a nice comment. I'll see you next time.